0: This morning, God's Word comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. We're going to begin our reading at verse 13 and then read through the end of this chapter. Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 13 What we hear now is God's word. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of the Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 857 in the back section. This is the Belgic Confession of Faith, and this morning we look at Articles 8 and 9. Reading from page 857, Article 8 entitled The Trinity. In keeping with this truth and word of God, we believe in one God, who is one single essence, in whom there are three persons, really, truly, and eternally distinct, according to their incommunicable properties, namely, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father is the cause, origin, and source of all things, visible as well as invisible. The Son is the Word, the wisdom, and the image of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the eternal power and might proceeding from the Father and the Son. Nevertheless, this distinction does not divide God into three, since Scripture teaches us that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit each has his own subsistence distinguished by characteristics, yet in such a way that these three persons are only one God. It is evident, then, that the Father is not the Son, and that the Son is not the Father, and that likewise the Holy Spirit is neither the Father nor the Son. Nevertheless, these persons, thus distinct, are neither divided nor fused nor mixed together. For the Father did not take on flesh, nor did the Spirit, but only the Son. The Father was never without His Son nor without His Holy Spirit, since all these are equal from eternity in one and the same essence. There is neither a first nor a last, for all three are one in truth and power, in goodness and mercy. And then Article 9 gives us the scriptural witnesses to the Trinity. It is a rather long article And I considered skipping the reading of this article this morning, but then thought better of that. I have said again and again that the Belgian Confession is true because it comes from Scripture. And so it seemed wrong to to skip this reading, although it is a rather long article. So we will read Article 9. All these things we know from the testimonies of Holy Scripture as well as from the effects of the persons, especially from those we feel within ourselves. The testimonies of the Holy Scriptures, which teach us to believe in this Holy Trinity, are written in many places of the Old Testament, which need not be enumerated, but only chosen with discretion. In the book of Genesis, God says, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. So... God created man in his own image. Indeed, male and female, he created them. Behold, man has become like one of us. It appears from this that there is a plurality of persons within the the deity when he says, let us make man in our image. And afterwards, he indicates the unity when he says, God created. It is true that he does not say how many persons there are, But what is somewhat obscure to us in the Old Testament is very clear in the New. For when our Lord was baptized, we read that this morning, children, when our Lord was baptized in the Jordan, the voice of the Father was heard saying, This is my dear Son. The Son was seen in the water, and the Holy Spirit appeared in the form of a dove. So, in the baptism of all believers, this form was prescribed by Christ. Baptize all people in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel, according to Luke, the angel Gabriel says to Mary, the mother of our Lord, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore that one to be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And in another place it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. There are three who bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. In all these passages, we are fully taught that there are three persons in the one and only divine essence. And although this doctrine surpasses human understanding, we nevertheless believe it now through the word, waiting to know and enjoy it more fully in heaven. Furthermore, we must note the particular works and activities of these three persons in relation to us. The Father is called our creator by reason of his power. The Son is our Savior and Redeemer by his blood. The Holy Spirit is our sanctifier by his living in our hearts. This doctrine of the Holy Trinity has always been maintained in the true church, and from the time of the apostles until the present, against Jews, Muslims, and certain false Christians and heretics, such as, and it lists some heretics there, who were rightly condemned by the Holy Fathers. And so, in this matter, we willingly accept the three ecumenical creeds, the apostles, Nicene, and Athanasian, as well as what the ancient fathers decided in agreement with them. This is our confession of faith. Well, this morning, we are returning to our study of the Word of God as it is summarized for us in the Belgic Confession. We took a brief brief break from that for Advent and Christmas, now returning back to the Belgic Confession. And we have seen that there is a certain order and a certain logic in the confession. It began by talking about God and how He has revealed Himself. And we talked about God's revelation in creation. It speaks to the fact that there is a God. And His revelation more fully in His holy word. A word that is inspired, a word that is authoritative, and a word that is sufficient for us. How does God reveal Himself in that holy word? God reveals himself there as a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I have to confess, I always have a little frustration uh, when preaching on the Trinity. Because there is no one clear text that says God is one and God is three. There are a variety of texts that allude to God's oneness, a variety of texts, like our text this morning, that speak of his threefold nature. But no one text, in fact, kids, you probably know, that the word Trinity isn't found anywhere in the Bible. But while the word isn't found there, the truth of the Trinity is certainly there. And while there is no no one text that says God is one and God is three, there are many. And so I I guess rather than be frustrated, I should be comforted by that. The truth of God's nature, His triune nature, does not rest on one single text. But it is written throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, the truth of the Trinity. It has been confessed by the church church throughout the ages. We are not talking about some obscure part of theology. We are talking about a fundamental confession of the Christian that God is a triune God, and belief in the Trinity is absolutely necessary to know God and to know his salvation. Uh, Article 9 makes reference to the three ecumenical creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. Now, we confess the Apostles' Creed often, we'll do it again this morning, the Nicene Creed on occasion, we'll do that tonight, we really never use the Athanasian Creed, Uh, not because it's a bad creed, just because of its length, it doesn't lend itself well to liturgical use. But I would commend it to you, this afternoon, take some time to read through the Athanasian Creed, a beautiful statement, of who God is. The Athanasian Creed begins this way. Whoever desires to be saved, this is no small matter, whoever desires to be saved should above all hold to the Catholic faith, the universal faith. Anyone who does not keep it whole and unbroken will, doubt, will doubtlessly perish eternally. Now this is the Catholic faith. That we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. For one to be saved, we must hold that universal confession. We worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. Kids, in the Trinity, we have two things that seem to be in conflict with each other. In the Trinity, We confess God is one and we confess God is three. And these things might seem to be in conflict with each other. But as we'll see this morning, it's it's a beautiful statement of who God is. We'll look together at the truth of the Trinity. There are many texts in scripture that speak of God being one, but probably one of the most foundational is found in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. This is like an Old Testament creed for Israel where we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Sometimes translated, the Lord is God alone. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is one God. For them, that was a revolutionary idea. Israel is preparing to come out of Egypt. Egypt where they had been in captivity for 400 years. Egypt where there are many gods. A number of years ago I went to a a museum exhibit Uh, about uh, the the, the sarcophagus of a pharaoh and there were all these um, icons around the museum all these gods gods for the mountains gods for the plains gods for the grass gods for the trees gods for everything that was Israel's culture for 400 years there are many gods And then as they prepare to come out of captivity, they hear this word, there is one God. Revolutionary and liberating for them. There is one God. I don't have to try to serve all these different gods. If I want a good crop, I serve this God. If I want more rain, I serve this God. If I want this, I serve this God. Not a whole bunch of gods to please. There is one God. God is God alone. A simple but revolutionary confession for Israel in the midst of all kinds of gods. God is one. There is only one God. It was revolutionary for Israel and I would suggest it is still revolutionary today. We live in a context where you serve the God of your choosing. If the God of the Bible works for you, that's fine. You go ahead and serve that God. But maybe for someone else, a different God works better. If you prefer to serve Allah, if that works for you, you go ahead and serve that God. If you prefer to follow Confucius, go ahead and serve that. Maybe it is your own self-enlightened consciousness, which is your God. Many gods out there. And into that, into that paganism comes this confession. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is only one God. One to be worshipped. One to be served. He is not one of many. But He is the one and only God. And belief on this one God is absolutely necessary for our salvation. God is one. There is one God. But this one God has three persons with three distinct Types of activities our confession says in article 9 furthermore we must note the particular works and activities of these three persons in relation to us the father is called our creator by reason of his power the son is our savior and redeemer by his blood the holy spirit is our sanctifier by his living in our hearts the father is called creator by reason of his power When we speak about about the Creator God, it is God the Father, by His power, who creates all that we see around us. And as I said earlier, that, that, that creation speaks of His glory, of His grandeur. We see the variety in creation around us. We see the different kinds of trees and flowers and all these beautiful things God has created. It speaks to his variety, his creativity. We see his grandeur, his power. Again, watching the the TV this past week and the power of the waves crashing in on the shore, which is nothing compared to the power of God. He is our creator, the Father, The Father who creates and the Father who loves that which he has created. And we see that that love of the Father expressed toward the second person of the Trinity, toward his Son, toward his co-equal, co-eternal. We read in verse 17 that when Jesus is baptized, behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The Father loves the Son. The Father is in a particular relationship with the Son. And always has been from all eternity, loving his son, the one in whom he is well pleased. He loves his only begotten son, and he loves his adopted children. We read about that this morning in 1 John chapter 3. Children of God, that is what we are. God loves his children. He loves us and cares for us and provides for us. He is not simply this great triune being we can't get a hold of. He is intimately concerned about that which He has created. He is concerned about you. He is concerned about your desires, your fears, your wants, all of these things. God, as a father, loves that which he has created. He loves his children. God's fatherhood is for our comfort. A father who loves us and cares for us. Our confession says, the father is called our creator by reason of his power. The son is our savior and redeemer by his blood. The Son of God redeems us, saves us by his blood, his work of redemption, to remove our sins. And that was was part of, of John's concern when Jesus came to him to be baptized. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism of the washing away of sin, And so when Jesus comes to John, John would have prevented him, verse 12 tells tells us, excuse me, 14 tells us, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? John says, you have no sin. (laughs) No reason to be baptized. I don't have to to give you the baptism of repentance for the washing of your sins. Jesus, you are perfect. Had no sin. But Jesus says, Let it be so now. We will do this. It is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus comes to John to be baptized. His baptism was not for him. His baptism was for us. He was there standing in our place for the removal of all of our sin let us do us do this to fulfill all righteousness and that he would be obedient to the law Jesus is there on our behalf fulfilling the law and that's what he does for us his active obedience not only removing all of our sins, the washing away of our sins by baptism, but his obedience to fulfill all righteousness. When God sees us now, he sees us not only as not guilty of sin, he sees us as if we had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was. The glorious, active obedience of Christ on our behalf. That's what God does. When he saves us that's what god does through his son jesus christ our savior our redeemer and that is the one who you are called to place your faith and trust in today the one who would be baptized although unnecessary for him to remove your sins the one who would fulfill all righteousness on your behalf god calls you today Put your faith in that Jesus Christ, this Jesus Christ, who would undergo a baptism on our behalf and know the joy of having him as your Savior and your Redeemer. And our confession says, the Holy Spirit is our sanctifier by his living in our hearts. He is the one who sanctifies us. We have in, in verse 16, the end of verse 16, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and coming to rest on him. This picture of the Spirit as a dove. Interesting language, interesting image to use. Perhaps harks our minds back to creation. We're already there in Genesis chapter one, the Spirit of God is hovering, hovering like a bird over the mass of creation. Perhaps calls to mind uh, the story of the flood. How after the flood, Noah sends out a dove from the ark and the dove comes back with a a twig, a picture of new life, a picture of new birth, rebirth for the land, rebirth for the world. The Holy Spirit is our sanctifier, the one who takes the accomplished work of Jesus Christ and who applies it to our hearts and lives. The one through whom we find our strength to live in a way that is pleasing to God. The Holy Spirit who conforms us more and more to the image of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and our sanctification. God is three persons. He is Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. And the only way we would know this, the only way we would know, is because that is how God has revealed himself in his word. Not in one single text, but in many texts in the text about Jesus' birth and the angel coming to talk to Mary, in the text about the Great Commission baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the benediction children that we hear often at the end of our service, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, God's one triune name being placed upon His people written throughout Scripture and certainly in our text this morning, seeing Jesus Christ being baptized, the Holy Spirit descending as a dove, and the Father's voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The Bible teaches the truth of the Trinity. And yet there is still the mystery. How is it possible that one can also be three? And we try different analogies for the Trinity and they all fail at some point. Our confession says we may not understand this fully, but we believe it fully. Even though I can't in my mind put together how one God is also three in persons, but only one God, not three gods. My mind is too too weak to comprehend that. But it is God's very nature. This is how he's revealed himself in Scripture. And so we embrace that wonderful truth. We confess that wonderful truth. We must believe in this God, for he is the God of our salvation. To deny the Trinity is to deny the God of the Bible. And so once again this morning, we we will come to the table of our Lord. We come at the invitation of our Father into his house. We come to the table and we take and we eat the body and blood of the Son, of Jesus Christ. And these, these lowly human elements, physical though they are, have a spiritual reality for us by the work of the Holy Spirit. The supper testifies to the triune nature of God. We come this morning to celebrate not an obscure theological truth, but celebrate our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we praise you for the revelation of who you are. It is a revelation, we confess, that is beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension, but a revelation from you in your word. Lord God, we praise you for being a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We praise you for your work as Trinity, as our Creator, as our Redeemer, as our Sanctifier. Lord God, may we rejoice in the great God you are, leaving here praising you for your greatness, for your power, and for your glory. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake, amen.